Do you want to escape the nine to five? Or do you want the freedom to work when you want, where you want, and with whom you want? The Art of Passive Income podcast explores opportunities for you to achieve total freedom so you can live life on your own terms. And now, here is your host, Mark Podolsky from The Land Geek. Hey, it's Mark Podolsky at The Land Geek with your favorite niche real estate website, thelandgeek.com. And on this week's podcast, I am very excited to bring you one of our esteemed coaching clients, Brian Lark. And Brian is going to walk us through his land investing journey. I love doing these podcasts because you really get a inside look of what it's like from somebody to start from zero and what they can build in a very short period of time. And we're going to discuss with Brian the elements that he thinks made him so successful. And he's got a great background. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you Brian Lark. Now, if you're not familiar with Brian, he is married. He's got three kids. He's spent six, 26 years in church ministry as a pastor, retired early in 2021 to take a year-long trip around the States with his wife and kids. He's the author of One Kid, One Dollar. We'll talk about that. He started land investing part-time in 2018, but he's now been doing land investing full-time and is the owner of Zateo Land. Com. Now, we're going to get into his journey and go there. So, Brian, welcome. Hey, thanks, Marcus. Really an honor to, to hang out with you and be on the podcast. Thanks. I, I'm so glad you're here. So let's just rewind the tape. You started part-time in 2018, and you're working in ministry. What was that like? Yeah, so my wife and I, we moved out to Colorado in 2011, and we moved out to start a church out there. And um, one thing we noticed really soon was that land ownership was kind of a big deal in Western Colorado. Um, and not so much, at least we didn't notice that as much in the in the Southeast where we were from. But there we started noticing, hey, it would be really nice to own a piece of land. I got into hunting and I thought, well, let's just see what we can buy as a property for us to enjoy. So we bought a piece of land in 2018 and had a really good agent to start working with uh, through that year and the years after uh, Reese Lovell with uh, Lone Eagle Land Company. And he helped me really just kind of think through a lot of the land purchase process and sale process. But we bought our first piece of property uh, in 2018 and we bought a 35 acre mountain property, a hunting property and uh, fixed it up a little bit and sold it the next year, took the profits from that and bought another property about the same size, just a couple of doors down, sold it, made a profit, wrapped that up into third deal there, took the profit and wrapped it up into hopefully what's going to be the next fourth deal here pretty soon. But just did that on the weekends. Uh, I was I was serving full time as a pastor and um, just enjoyed just getting outside in nature and was able to do that in the evenings or the weekends sometimes with either uh, my wife or kids. Sometimes we'd go out and, and do that. So just just what I did on the on the part time level. But the more I did that, I started thinking about, you know, this would really be something I could do 
uh, more of, I'd like to do more of. And so I started reading some, some different books about land investing. And of course, that's where I came across Dirt Rich, your book. And thank you for, for uh, writing that. Appreciate you taking the time to do that. No, of course. Of course. So you, you read Dirt Rich in late 2020, and then you start with the toolkit in 2021. What, what was that like? Well, uh, it, it was super easy to, to buy. I, I don't know what it was like 15 bucks, you know, for the, for the book. That was easy. Um, right. But somehow, you know, I, I found out about the toolkit. And I, I think at the time it was seven or $800. And, and I remember talking to my wife about it and saying, Hey, you know, this is something I think I should really invest in. And, and uh, I think we both were a little bit iffy, you know, is this really something that we could really, you know, benefit from? And so I went ahead and did it and we didn't have too much to lose and figured out that there was a lot of value there. And there was a lot of opportunity. Went to uh, the uh, boot camp one weekend as a part of that. And that was very helpful and um, just moved on through the process from toolkit. And I, I knew that the toolkit would help me and I was determined to, to, implement what I learned in the toolkit, but I also knew that uh, I could move a lot further faster if I were being held a little bit more accountable. So uh, that's where flight school came in. Flight school was a big pill to swallow for us. Uh, You know, as many people know, being a pastor, you're not raking in the dollars by any means. And so it was a big investment for me to go through flight school. And uh, fortunately for us in our marriage, we had been savers and uh, could do that. And flight school was very helpful. Started uh, doing some of my first deals in the middle of flight school. And uh, from there, just took it into the, the one-on-one coaching, which was kind of the, the cream de la cream, you know, for, uh, for where I needed to be. And having uh, Eric Peterson as my coach, that was, uh, that was super helpful. Very good to be in a community with other investors that are learning same place, you know, that I was in where we were able to discuss things on mastermind calls. So, all that just all, uh, is very helpful. No, that that's fantastic. And what would you say you learned the most from Eric? What were some of the biggest lessons in that in that coaching program? Um, I will say the, the the one thing that that he helped me with, and I think he had to tell me this at least once, maybe twice, um, and that was about comparison. And I always kind of felt like, all right, I should be further along or somebody had a bigger deal than me or, you know, it's not moving as fast as I want it to. And and I would ask Eric, you know, things like, well, you know, how am I doing? Like, am I really doing all right? And he'd say, no, you're really doing well. And, And I always kind of felt like, you know, the slow kid in class, you know, like I'm not getting it or I'm not successful like somebody else is. And, and he just uh, tried to help me understand that comparison is not going to help me. You know, there's a good thing. It's it's healthy to be competitive, but not to necessarily be uh, comparing yourself with where somebody else is because they've got different skill sets. They've got different background. They've got uh, different abilities with tech stuff and, and all that. And uh, I think that was helpful for me just to really grab a hold of that. And I still find myself doing it a little bit, but uh, that was that was a big deal. And, and and, you know, he, he's called the technician for a reason. Uh, yeah. Um, he, he knows his stuff on the tech side. And I think that was helpful for me, just helping me or encouraging me not to be so overwhelmed with that. Because I, I came out of a, a career in an environment where, you know, people 
and conversations were were my day to day, you know, um, uh, operation. And, and now it's it's a at least for me, it's much more of a tech uh, career or environment. And so he was help, helpful to uh, encourage me not to be so overwhelmed with that. No, it's great. Now I'm going to give some stats. And if you're listening to this again, heed Brian's advice. Comparison is the thief of happiness. So if you're not doing this and doing numbers like Brian, it's okay. And just like he said, everyone starts from a different place. Everyone has different lives. But I would say that at some point on the timeline, if you stick with this consistently, everyone's going to get paid in this business. So Brian, you've bought and sold 59 properties last year, 2022. That was your first year using the land investing land geek model. Your sales were close to a million dollars, right at 945,000. Your average monthly revenue in 2022 was $25,000. Your passive income is now at 8,300 a month. So let's just make you feel a little bit better here and <laughs> do some math. So if I said to you, and we'll go to the calculator here, uh, you you go to the bank and you say, okay, look, I've got 8,300, right? And uh, let's just multiply that by 12. And that's going to get us $99,600. And you say to the banker, hey, how much money do I need to deposit in the bank at a very, oh, aggressive 2% interest rate? to throw off in interest $99,600 a year. They would tell you, no problem, Brian, you need to deposit $4,980,000. And that'll throw off that monthly cash flow that you've got in a year. How long do you think it would take you to save $4.9 million? I, I would think it'd take longer than a, a year. Absolutely, absolutely. So ho hopefully that that makes you feel a little bit better. Yes, uh, it's really encouraging. Yeah, and so now you've got ten people working with you right now, and these are tremendous numbers in in a year. Uh, my question is, what has been the the biggest leverage point for you? Where if I'm listening to this. Well, how can I also get that type of success? I would say uh, for me, um, focus is, is just what helped me. And I think that there's a lot of things to be overwhelmed with in this business, especially when you're starting out. Now, I remember, you know, my first several months and even into the first year, I just constantly felt overwhelmed, like, I've got to do this and there's this and there's this and so many different moving pieces to the puzzle. But I think by focusing on my most important task and taking care of that in spite of all of the other noise that was going on in the business, uh, that helped me. And I think the same thing applies to your area of focus. You know, for me, uh, I, I've chosen to be more of a specialist in a specific area than to know a lot about a little or a little about a lot. And so I've tried to be more of a specialist in, in the area that I work and really learning 
the ins and outs of that area um, as opposed to getting sidetracked. That's just my personality. I, I work a lot better if I'm able to focus on one or two things at a time as opposed to spreading out my focus. So I would just encourage people to to really think about, you know, how you're going to go about your business and find find a specific niche within the business or a specific area and and focus on that, at least in your first couple of years and and then move on from there. I think that's great advice. I can't tell you how many coaching clients I talk to and they're doing really well in this county, in this area. And then they'll say to me, well, should I go to another area? And it's almost like people get bored making money. And having that self-awareness to know it's better to be an inch wide and a mile deep in an area is I think a, a, a huge advantage where you see other people. And I had a, a mentor Ori who would say to me, you know, if you remember you were a kid, we'd have a magnifying glass and you'd go out and try to kill ants. And he's like, Mark, you know, a lot of people, will just move the magnifying glass around trying to kill ants. Well, you generate a lot of heat, but you don't ever kill an ant unless you hold the magnifying glass down and then, you know, and have that focus. So I, I think that's really uh, an insightful piece of information. Yeah. And, and one thing to add to that, I mean, I, I think it's a good idea if you're going to start in a specific county, you know, before you move on to a second county, I think it's really helpful if you can understand things like the GIS map um, for your county, you know, the ins and outs of the GIS map, uh, where utilities are, where water is, um, who you need to talk to at the county level if you have a question about a deed, uh, who, you know, what's the first name of the person at the recorder's office, who's going to be your title company that you use if you need to go through title um, you know, who can get out and photograph properties for you if you need to do that? Who can go out and check on the property if you've got a boundary dispute? All those kinds of things, you don't you don't learn those things in just a few months. Those things take time. And I think that's uh, the benefit of, of not moving too far, too fast. No, absolutely. And it's so interesting to me when you're, you're talking about all the moving pieces and I'm just curious, what part of the business do you like the most? And what part of the business do you think, oh, I, I can't wait to outsource this piece? I think the part that I really enjoy the most is just is, is talking with the people and the, the buyers and the sellers actually, you know, being on that frontline call. Now, granted, I do have an intake manager now. Um, and she handles most of the phone calls and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when it comes time to selling, I still enjoy the sales side of things a lot and uh, helping people find a great property that will meet their needs and, and their wishes. So that's what I enjoy. Now, the side of the things uh, or the side of business that I'd like to probably get rid of sooner than later is uh, the automation side of things. I, you know, again, I came from a, of an environment and career where, Nothing was automated. Everything was face-to-face, conversation to conversation, or at the bare minimum, you know, a phone call or an email. But you know, this business is um, is improved by delegation and automation, and so the automation side of things is is one of those things that still intimidates me a little bit. And so I'm working on that, and and uh, hope to improve that in the future. I, I yeah, I love it. So I, I want to talk about a money mindset. Because I was talking today with Joey Murray, 
And Joey was talking to me about the Bible and the the verses in the Bible that a lot of people interpret as very money negative. Mm-hmm. It's like you're a bad person if you're if you're making money. And coming from your your background, what's what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, this is going to sound really terrible coming from somebody who served in full-time, you know, ministry. But I remember when I really got into this business, this specific model, I told my wife, I remember going for a walk one day in our neighborhood in Colorado. I said, you know, if I'm going to do this business, um, I'm going to be doing this to make as much money as possible. And that sounds really worldly and ungodly, you know, in, in a, you know, maybe a Christian circle or so. But I wanted to be at a place in my life where um, my income wasn't capped out. And right. I wanted to be also not just that. I wanted to be at a place in my life financially where my giving was not capped out either. And and so, you know, in the Bible, the New Testament tells us that, you know, it's, it's not money that is the root of all evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So there's a difference there. Um, you know, the, the, the Old Testament says uh, he who uh, refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Um, Bible says, you know, give to the Lord uh, the first fruits of all your crops. And that's in Proverbs, you know, and, and it goes on and on and on. And I think it really comes down to the Bible in Christianity. It just comes down to the heart. You know, where is your heart in this? Is it just to amass stuff for yourself? You know, there's a story that Jesus taught us in the New Testament that that um, there was a guy who who uh, had all these crops and he was very successful as a farmer. And the next thing you know, he's saying, you know what? I, I think I'm just going to build bigger barns. I'm going to have bigger barns so I can store all of my things and and uh, and he was told later that that same conversation, you know, you fool, your very life will be demanded of you. Uh, and and so Jesus goes on to say, it's not about those who are rich in this world. It's about those who are rich towards God. And I think it's all about the mindset, you know, and, and whether you're a Christian or not. I mean, I don't want to, you know, uh, make people feel, that, you know, ostracized if they're not Christians. But. I really think whether you're a Christian or not, it really has to be about your mindset. Um, you know, wh- where is your motivation? Is it just to to do something for yourself or is it uh, for others? Now, obviously, there has to be a, an element that where you are providing for your family. Uh, that's a responsibility that we have. But I think it's it's got to be beyond that. It's, there's got to be some purpose uh, in giving and helping others and making a difference in the in the world that we live in. Yeah, I 100% agree. And whether you're religious, you're secular, that purpose and where it comes from is not important. But what is more important is that you're building something bigger than yourself. Because at some point, you're going to get kicked in the teeth in this business. And you have to have a bigger purpose to get up and keep going. And we talk about that a lot in, in boot camp. But hearing it from a, a pastor and from a Christian point of view, is is super enlightening, I think. And whether or not you're uh, a Christian or not, I, I think it, it's it's still important to to understand the the deep wisdom of it, and and how it applies even 
you know, today and in modern life. I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's very clear, uh, you know, from a Christian standpoint, um, the Bible teaches us that we can't have two masters, can't serve God and money. And I think even, again, whether you're a Christian or not, I don't think money needs to be any of our masters. Um, it doesn't need to be a master for any of us. It needs to be a servant. And I think that's that's where uh, the distinction lies. And I think a lot of people, as you mentioned, um, you know, they interpret uh, the Bible to be down on money and it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's about how we view it and how we use it and how we relate to it. It's just like a brick, you know, a brick can be used to build a house or an orphanage, but it can also be used to throw, you know, uh, make a hole in a window. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny because when I talk to people, especially younger people, they'll talk to me about, you know, they want to make millions of dollars. And ultimately what, when I keep asking them more and more questions, you know, what everybody wants is just freedom. They just want freedom and money can get you that freedom. So again, and then that freedom to give and to give back is, is provided by that. So, you know, it's money's a neutral thing. It's not good. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's just neutral. It's, it's the story I think you, you create from it, but uh, I'm glad I I asked you that question for sure. And uh, I appreciate your, your perspective on it, especially because you wrote a book called One Kid, One Dollar, which I read, radically impacting the future of Christianity, one kid and one dollar at a time. So can you talk a little bit about the book? Sure. So, so basically when I wrote the book, it was in 2020. At that time, uh, from the research that I did, um, Let's see if I remember the the exact numbers, but what I read was that somewhere around $68 trillion of wealth was going to be transferred to the next generation, uh, I think within the next 25 years. And, you know, even if it weren't 65 trillion, if it were 65 billion or even 65 million, um, that's still a big number. And so I got to thinking, uh, Okay, well, number one, who's going to get that wealth? You know, who is it going to be transferred to? And second, what are they going to do with it? And the wealth that's going to be transferred, whether it's 68 trillion or not, whether it's exactly 25 years or not, the story is, is that there's going to be a massive wealth that's transferred to the next generation. And uh, what is our world going to look like? when that next generation gets that music uh, or gets that money and, and they use it, what's, what's the, is the world going to be a better place or is it going to be a worse place? And the thought behind the book was how can we prepare our children, that next generation to be wise stewards of, of those uh, monies and to, to truly think about uh, what it is that God has for them in their life. What purpose do they need to serve with that wealth that's transferred and uh, practical steps in the book are just, you know, about budgeting and about uh, work ethic and about, um, you know, uh, investing, those kinds of things. Um, So really just try to provide a resource where parents could read this book with their kids. It's not a book necessarily just for the kids to read or just for the parents to read. It's really for the parents and the kids to to be able to go through together and, and make sense out of it. Now you've got a teenager. 
Right. So uh, is your teenager interested yet in, in money and passive income and land investing? Yes. Um, so, so I have a 13 year old boy and a 12 year old boy and uh, both of them are now uh, helping me not every day, but just about every day. And so they're interested in it. They had a piece of property that actually they bought with some of the money that they had saved uh, from work that they did. We used to clean windows on the side. And uh, so they saved their money. They bought a property together. And I think they paid uh, five or $600 for it and, and sold it for around 3000. And so I think that kind of turned a light on for them. You know, this, this can actually work. And so now I'm focused a little bit less on helping them find a deal I don't want to just give it to them on a platter. I'm trying to get them involved where they can learn the systems and, and what all is involved. And so for, for now, they do things for me, uh, like finding comps for properties. Uh, they're now learning how to build a list for me so that we can mail uh, to a specific area. Uh, so I think they see the future value in that. Now, whether or not they stay with it forever, that's a difference. That's up to them, but uh, I'm excited for them. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So, Knowing what you know now, if we could rewind the tape back to 2020 and you're just starting Dirt Rich, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, probably a couple of things. Um, we touched on one of them a minute ago, and, and that is just the feeling of being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I would just want to say to the younger me uh, that was just starting out and anybody else that's listening is just starting out. I would just really want to say that's very normal. You shouldn't feel like something's wrong with you. You, fit, you shouldn't feel like you're, you're not as smart as everybody else. Um, the feeling of being overwhelmed is, is very normal on the front end because you're learning something brand new that you've never learned before. And anytime we do that, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. And the question is, will you stay committed to it? Will you stay in the pocket and and, uh, uh, and and do what's needed or will you just shrink back and just quit? So, I mean, that would be that would be the, the first thing. And I would also say another thing. Um, I think when I first started out learning this specific land investing model, you know, there is a lot of discussion about a passive income. And that that is true and that is real. Um, but somehow I think that I got the phrase passive income confused with free rent. And there is no free rent uh, in this business. And uh, so I would just tell myself at that time, you know, you, you're not going, it's not going to come automatically. You, you're not going to go to sleep and wake up the next morning and it just pop in your bank account. There has to be some work done on the front end. You have to learn, you have to educate yourself. Uh, you have to be able to work the, the schedule and, and, and make time. And you know, for me, you know, I started this business, this uh, land investing business, uh, Land Geek Model, when I was still full-time pastoring at a, at a church in, in Colorado. And, you know, I realized that if I were going to make it happen, I had to get up at 4, 4.30 every morning uh, so that I could get some some work done on the land business before I needed to get in the office. And so, again, I, I think I would just try to tell the younger me, you, you know, there is work involved and you can do as much of it or as little as you want, but you really have to, you have to put in the effort and it, it doesn't come automatically. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you're close to a million in revenue last year. And so how much time are you spending in the business today? Well, I'm, I'm going to be maybe a little bit outside the box on this answer because, um, you know, I, I do this full time now and I do it um, because I want to, but also because I, I want to continue to grow the business. And I see that more of it as a need right now because I want to continue to grow the business. I want to meet some goals that we have for our family uh, and for our, our future and so I would say, you know, right now I'm working probably 30, maybe 35 or 40 hours, depending on which week, which week, you know, but, but that's because I, it's not because I necessarily have to at this point in time, it's because I really want to improve the business. I want to learn more. I want to invest more into it because I feel like time is what I do have. If I did nothing but two or three hours a week investing into this, I would go crazy. You know, I, I, I can't just sit around and do nothing. So for me at this place in my business and in my life, I feel like that's where my time needs to be. And uh, I, I think, you know, later on down the road, when I get to the place where I'm, I'm ready to, you know, cool down, I'll, I'll be able to do that. And uh, one thing, I think I mentioned this to you, this is a, just a side note. Um, when I uh, left uh, uh, full-time serving in a church, one of the things that happened financially was that uh you know, I lost my uh, long-term disability. Oh yeah, I do remember this. Yeah, and so, so you know, the church provided that as a as a uh, benefit for me, uh, part of my package. And so, when we left the church, I lost that. And for probably six months, I just worried and fretted about that, and um, was trying to get some kind of coverage. And it was just a hassle to really get anybody to 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 do the underwriting and it's not cheap and on and on and on. But anyway, I woke up one morning and I thought, you know, wait a minute, what is the purpose of disability insurance? It is to replace lost income when you're not able to work. Right. And I got to think and I was like, well, huh, well, if I wasn't able to work and if I wasn't able to even log on to the computer anymore to do any kind of other land work, I've still got enough passive income that I could, you know, at least for a season, shut down everything else in the business and just receive the income. And that would actually be better than a long-term disability policy. Um, and so that was like a light bulb moment for me that it really gave me uh, the ability to sleep a little bit better at night. Um, now, I, I'm not recommending that anybody pull the plug on their long-term uh, disability policy, but the point being that um, there, there's, uh, there's value in the effort that you put in and um, whether you're working full-time or part-time, um, the business has a lot of potential. No, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, Scott Bosman, you know, he got really sick and he was in the hospital. He was just so grateful to have that business and making that money, having no worries the machine operating itself so he could just focus on getting better. It is the greatest insurance policy is, is building that passive income, building that machine so that you have that, that luxury of even getting sick. And, right. uh, and even God forbid you're someone in your family getting sick and you can take care of them and not have to be somewhere, uh, somewhere else. So 
that that's that was great that you you brought that up. So, all right, Brian, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your favorite deal. <laughs> what's what's been your favorite deal? Um, so I'm going to share, I'll share one, if, if you'll let me share, maybe a second one, I'll do that as well. But I, I, sure. the first one I'll share with you is, it, it's, it's not about the, the, the amount of the profit, it's the type of deal that it is. That's, that's what I got excited about. So, uh, just not long ago at all, uh, I bought a six acre property and I noticed after, uh, the due diligence phase that this six acre property was in nothing but a subdivision of one acre properties. And so I thought, well, there's got to be the ability to subdivide this thing. So I bought this six acre property uh, for $4,000. And right after I finished closing on it, I started uh, contacting the county and going through the subdivision process. And I think I spent close to $400 to get the whole thing subdivided into six one acre properties put it on the market as six different properties. And uh, probably two, three days later, I sold the first one. Uh, and this was just last week or so. Uh, sold the first one for cash for $5,000. Okay. And so now, you're, now your money's out. It's gone and it's back. Right. And so right. I'm, I'm in the green now or in the black for a thousand dollars. And I still have five other properties that I can sell um, whether they're cash or terms. So just getting my capital investment, back on basically day one that that's really exciting to me and i know that if that can happen on that kind of a deal i can i can do it on the bigger deals uh it's just got to be done right and and uh due diligence has to be there so uh but that's the type of deal that i, I get excited about um earlier uh middle of last year i bought five different properties from the same gentleman really nice guy uh, just wanted to unload his properties and he didn't want to deal with all the realtors and selling them at different times. He just wanted to get them uh, all sold at one time and, and receive one big check. So it worked out. I bought five properties from him and I paid him 66,000 uh, for those. And uh, not more than five months or so after that, I had all of them sold and sold one of them for cash and then sold the other four on terms. And that that totaled somewhere around $245,000, $250,000 for, for all of those. So uh, that that's a bigger number. And I get, I get excited about that stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're now at the point of the podcast where I'm going to ask you for your tip of the week a website, a resource, a book, something else actionable for the Auto Pass Dominican listeners to go improve their businesses, improve their lives. But before we do that, I have to give a shout out to our sponsor, which is Flight School. Learn how the next 16 weeks can transform your life. You can become like a Brian Lark. He started with Flight School. So Brian, what would you say the difference is between Flight School and the toolkit? Um, I, I would say that I'm a very uh, disciplined person for the most part. And toolkit uh, was helpful for me, really helped me uh, understand the ins and outs and, and the flow of the business. But the big difference I would say is that in, in flight school, uh, it's almost like the, the game that you played when you're a kid, ready or not, here I come. And, and that's what Scott Todd is, is working with the students on. It's like, hey, next week you need to have a property. Next week, you better have your mailers out, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so 
I think even though it's you know, for the disciplined people that are self-motivated to do the work, it's the, the difference is that you've got a, a coach that's right there in your face, not in a mean way. Scott does a great job, but just really trying to um, help push you in a, in a healthy way to get to the next step. Uh, and I needed that. That was helpful for me. So that was, uh, that was good. Absolutely. So flight school is not going to cost you anything, by the way. I know Brian and his wife were like, oh, this is a, a big investment here, but it's not going to cost you anything. Guaranteed you're going to make it back 180 days or less. Just show us your work. Learn more. Go to landgeek.com forward slash training. The landgeek.com forward slash training. Scott Todd's going to take you up that mountain of land investing quickly, safely, and efficiently. Start building that passive income without any headaches, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations. And then you can scale it like Brian and start having that total freedom, solve your money problems and your time problems. All right, Brian, what is your tip of the week? Yeah, so uh, I have really enjoyed uh, reading uh, things by a guy named Brian Tracy, and he is a self-development kind of guru over the last uh, 20 or 30 years, I'm guessing. I don't know when he started, but I've gotten really turned on to his uh, his writings and books and things. And uh, you may have heard a book called Eat That Frog. And yeah. uh, it's kind of one of his famous books that he's, uh, he's really known for. If you haven't read that, read it. But that's not the tip of the week. The tip of the week is this book here. It's, uh, it's called No Excuses. And uh, this is a book. The subtitle is The Power of Self-Discipline. 21 ways to achieve lasting happiness and success. And I really feel like um, there's a great value in this book. He, he, he basically says from the very beginning of the book, um, if you're going to be successful, the most important uh, insight is that in order to achieve greatly, you have to become not just a better person, but he says you have to become a different person. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And the book just really outlines the concepts of self-discipline in both your personal life and your business life. And uh, it's super easy to read, very motivating. And it's one of those books that I would say for me personally, as probably one of five books that I have on my bookshelf that I not only read and highlight once, but I go back and read it probably every year. You know, just to just to re-motivate myself in the areas of self-discipline. I, I think if if you're lacking in self-discipline, this business is going to be incredibly difficult for you. Um, uh, but it's just it's a great book. I love it. No excuses, Brian Tracy. Well, my tip of the week is learn more about Brian. Get his book, especially if you have kids. One kid, one dollar. And also check him out at ZateoLand.com. No one's, by the way, the worst website name ever, Brian. No one's going to be able to spell Zateo, but I will have the link to it. So even with a terrible website name, Brian's still very (laughs) successful. Brian, I hope that the listeners have been inspired by your story. I am so grateful for you. All the contributions and all the wisdom you provide to the community uh, has been invaluable. Your mentorship, this podcast has been invaluable. So thank you so much. And uh, you ready to do this? I think so. One, two, three, let freedom 
Ring. <clears throat> Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Art of Passive Income podcast. Are you ready to learn how you can start building a passive income without renters, rehabs, renovations, or rodents? Schedule a free consultation at thelandgeek.com forward slash training. Let freedom ring. Freedom ring.